Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news paper since 1971. Bonus time in the Ben Jarowski show. As I speak, it is, <laughs> I'm just laughing because <laughs> it's uh, Wednesday, uh, August 3rd, 2022. But for some reason I wrote this down. I don't know if this is a sign of some kind of the early stages of dementia, but I wrote January 3rd, 2022. Woo! I'm losing my mind. I've done so many shows. I've been talking so much. I'm starting to go crazy. Ah! Here's a headline from the Washington Post on my phone that uh, kind of sums up something that's in the news today that had me very excited. Uh, here's the headline. It's an opinion piece by a woman named Alexandra Petrie. Whoops. We forgot women still get to vote. <laughs> or no, excuse me. We forgot women could still vote. That's the headline. And she is alluding to yesterday's referendum in the state of Kansas, uh, which voters overwhelmingly, close to 60%, uh, last I looked, uh, voted against uh, a measure that would allow um, Kansas uh, MAGA people uh, to eradicate abortion rights. Uh, Kansas, Kansas, surprisingly, uh, I, I put, I call it liberal for no other reason, but a, uh, surprisingly open-minded, I'll put, about allowing uh, women uh, the right to choose in a state that's traditionally Republican. Win for Donald Trump uh, with 56% of the vote. So more people, follow me in this, folks, more people, a greater percentage of people in the state of Kansas voted for abortion rights than voted for Donald Trump in the 2020 election. That is staggering. It goes against everything uh, I had been uh, thinking about in terms of um, where the, the public was uh, on issues. and gives me a sense of hope that perhaps, just perhaps, in November, uh, the people of America will defeat fascism. That's how I view it. I take it very seriously, the mega threat. Uh, and so very encouraging news uh, out of Kansas yesterday, in my humble opinion. All right, without further ado, I'm going to ask my distinguished guest, who is a familiar face uh, or voice, I should say, on the Ben Jarofsky Show, to introduce yourself. Introduce yourself, distinguished guest. I'm Ramana Hussein. I'm a member of the editorial board and a columnist at the Chicago Sun-Times. Yes, exactly. Uh, so... 
uh, Kansas is not the first thing on our list to discuss. Uh, <laughs> Darren Bailey is what a complete nincompoop. Anyway, but we'll get to DB Darren Bailey, the Republican uh, candidate for governor, state of Illinois. But I just got to get you just general thoughts, uh, Romano. We've talked about abortion rights in this show many times, uh, and. Um, Maggie's been feeling pretty good about their attempts to pretty much outlaw abortion in America, what with the Supreme Court ruling in the Dobbs case uh, a month ago and new laws uh, restricting abortion rights passing in MAGA-controlled states like Texas and Mississippi and Indiana and Ohio and et cetera and so forth down the line. This kind of, like, yesterday's results in a MAGA state? I got to admit, Romana, I was caught off guard uh, not just by... The abortion people winning, but the margin of victory uh, close to sixty percent. So, your just general thoughts about it? Just, just about Kansas. I mean, yeah, what went down I, yesterday? What it means? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't know that much about Kansas. I could, you know, I, I have to admit, I'm not like someone who's an expert on it. But yeah, like from what everybody knows about Kansas, that it's a pretty conservative conservative state it's a trump leaning state that's what i get out of it from not studying anything about it beforehand but yeah i think a lot of people are probably just surprised i was actually at the dinner table when my husband mick um had saw saw the alert and said that you know people in kansas overwhelmingly voted against you know taking away abortion rights so yeah i think for the average um reader or average person in america people you know just conjure up you know certain stereotypes about kansas or you know certain ways people might think the majority of people might think in kansas but we always have to remember that you know we don't have to always rely on stereotypes and i'm guilty of that too um i'm definitely guilty of that um i say certain things about certain states all the time and uh clearly you know, people can surprise us, you know, and we don't, you know, and, you know, a lot of states are actually changing, too. I think that's something that we don't realize when we're living in a city like Chicago. And I'm not saying that we live in a bubble or anything like that, but, you know, some people might say we do. But, but you know, like, um, for example, like, I've been to, you know, Texas um, for a lot of my life. I have um, a really close family of friends. There were parents of... Um, they're basically this couple and they have kids and they were some of my parents' first friends in Chicago. They ended up moving to Texas and Houston. And I've seen Houston change. Like the demographics have changed completely. Um, I would think that it's a very, uh, it's kind of blue leaning in many, in many parts of Houston, not the entire state of Texas, obviously. But my friends, interestingly enough, say that a lot of people actually in Houston um, the people who grew up there tend to lean blue, and they say it's actually people who come from California and the East Coast. They all move in, and they kind of, like, skew it back to the right again. So it's just interesting, like, the way, you know, we think about certain people in certain parts of the country. But I do think parts of the country are also changing. Um, you know, many years ago, nobody would have thought Minnesota and thought Somalian immigrants, but that's there's a large contingent of um, individuals who have Somali backgrounds and it's, it's, it's just incredible. Like, you know, I mean, even Chicago has changed in demographics in the last couple of years. So I, as someone who doesn't know that much about Kansas, like off the top of my head, I'd be like, Oh yeah. You know, they're a bunch of MAGA people out there or they probably well, 
They did go 56% for yeah, yeah, uh, Donnie Trump. There is that. But the, the, 50, the other people didn't. So, you know, maybe they went out to vote. Maybe they did a good job going out and pushed back. And maybe the people who didn't vote before and all the younger people there are like, we need to vote this, vote, the, you know, a certain way. So, yeah, I, I think it's, a, you know, an interesting, um, you know, side note that happened this week. I think a lot of people did you know, look up and pay attention. And yeah, particularly people who live in cities like Chicago and New York probably are like, whoa, Kansas. So um, I think I think a lot of people were pleasantly surprised. Well, we're going to move on from this. But I have to say, when you were talking, I was thinking back. uh, I may end up writing a column about this. So these these thoughts are really raw in my brain as they emerge. But uh, there was a, a famous book in political science called What's the Matter with Kansas? I think Thomas Frank wrote it. came out about, I don't know, 15 years ago. Uh, and it took a look, I believe, I think it was the 2004 uh, presidential election. could have been 2000. I apologize if I have it wrong. Uh, but whatever, either way. And it discussed how uh, voters in Kansas had, voting, had voted for the Republican, uh, George Bush, uh, on the grounds, even though his policies did not benefit them directly because they were largely either uh, working class or lower middle class or middle class, etc., and uh, Republican policies tend to favor the rich. Uh, so he was posing the question, what's the matter with Kansas? Why are they voting against their self-interest? And the conclusion he reached was that there's other factors in an election other than uh, economics that motivate people to vote, such as their position on abortion. That was one of the big things. Uh, and uh, they were compelling. It was known as a right-to-life uh, state. I have that in quotes, uh, which is just, just such a euphemism for the anti-abortion's point of view. They don't care about anybody living. We'll get into that with Darren Bailey. Uh, once they're walking around the world type of living, uh, they don't care about any of them. Uh, and, uh, and so that's what, that's what well, I, my, my, my mind, when I think of Kansas politically, I think of that book and the themes of the book and how he's chastising, chiding liberals for not adopting a strategy that would work in Kansas. It was sort of mocking liberals in that book. And then all of a sudden, here we are, whatever is it, 20 years later, 16 years later, it's an overwhelming vote for abortion. So whatever the matter was with Kansas, it clearly was, either they've changed on abortion, Romano, or... Frank's got to go back and rewrite his book. All right. Uh, let's talk Darren Bailey. Darren Bailey is the Republican uh, candidate for governor of the state of Illinois, a state senator from downstate. Everybody listens to Ben Jaroski's show knows who he is because we've been talking about him for well, well over a year. Uh, we don't ignore the right on this show. I take the threat very seriously. Uh, so DB uh, did, uh, as we affectionately call him on the show, had done a Facebook uh, session a direct appeal that he put on his Facebook uh, feed to his followers. So this was not an interview. This was DB speaking from his heart uh, to his followers back in 2017 when he was start first running for office as a state rep. Uh, I actually, uh, it was the story broke on the forward. Shout out to the forward, a Jewish newspaper. I actually uh, saw the original article. Someone sent it to me. And uh, I um, uh, listened to the Facebook Romano, so I would know exactly what he said, and he said it, okay? Uh, and the, the part that's most outrageous, in my humble opinion, uh, is this part. I am now quoting uh, Tina Svandellas. Shout out to, to Tina back at the Bright One. What a great coup for the Bright One. Uh, great political reporter, Tina Svandellas, and a dear friend of Romana. All right, and here's in Tina's article she's quoting. Quote, 
I believe, this is Darren Bailey speaking, I believe that abortion is one of the greatest atrocities of our day, and I believe it's one of the greatest atrocities probably forever. The attempted extermination of the Jews of World War II doesn't even compare on a shadow of the life that has been lost with abortion since its legalization. Wow. Wow. And I say this as a guy, I, part of the reason I admit, Romana, my, I, I don't even know how many people in my family, like gr great uncles, were wiped out by the Nazis. Tons of them, okay? A lot of Jarofskis wiped out by the Nazis. So it kind of affects me a little deeper than the average uh, Illinois voter. I admit that. But just the lack of empathy or compassion or just thought for human beings who have been exterminated, just his utter indifference to the point of hostility, comparing like a woman's decision that she makes to protect her body. Who knows why she did it with a fertilized egg to someone who's like walking around that you can freaking see. The guy is not worthy of an office, in my humble opinion, as significant as governor of a major state like Illinois. He, he should just, I don't, I don't believe a person who is that callous and indifferent to life, real life, like See them when they're walking down the street life should be the governor. And that's my thoughts uh, on this topic when I heard him say that. Uh, what's your general thoughts? Well, first of all, I wanted to point out that this was actually said in 2017 when Darren Bailey wasn't running for governor. But I think that is very telling itself um, in for someone who decides to run for um, governor of the state of Illinois. And my thoughts are, I don't know why you would compare, even if you are anti-abortion, I don't know why you would compare abortion or, you know, someone getting an abortion to what happened to the Jewish community during World War II. I just don't understand why you would compare it to the Holocaust. I, I don't know why the Holocaust was even brought up in this conversation. I mean, I know why, but I just find the comparison offensive. Um, and I'm not someone who lost family members in the Holocaust, but, you know, I grew up in Lincolnwood. As I said, it was uh, predominantly Jewish when I was growing up. So I did hear about the Holocaust a lot when I was a child. And um, I went to high school in Skokie. Um, Lincolnwood is close to Skokie. And at the time, it had the largest um, population of Holocaust survivors in the United States, I think. So... You know, I, I, I do remember, like, you know, people, you know, we we might have had, like, a um, Holocaust survivor come and speak to our school. My young, my older sister, who lives in Morton Grove, like, one of her dear neighbors was a Holocaust survivor. And so, you know, we were surrounded by individuals who were survivors or affected by um, this atrocity. So, you know, we've seen the pictures. They're just terrible. Um it's, it's like the images are just horrific. Like if you look at those images and you don't get sad or feel like crying, I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know what kind of human you are. So like, I just don't understand why you would say that, you know, abortion, regardless of how you feel about it, like even if you're anti-abortion, like why even bring up the Holocaust and say, oh, well, this is worse than the Holocaust. Like, I don't know. I just think it's it, it's touching a nerve and, and I don't blame, you know, people being offended, especially members of the Jewish community, because this was a horrible thing that happened. And, um, 
you know, people get abortions for different reasons. And to say that, you know, getting an abortion is akin to, or worse than like, you know, taking someone and from a certain community and then gassing them or, you know, depriving them of, you know, food and water and just starving them to death is just, um, I don't know, I, I think it's just uncalled for. And uh, we were actually talking about it at the editorial board today about whether we wanted to weigh in on it. But what do we say that, but besides that this is just insane for anybody to say that. And we, we kind of talked about how it was from 2017, but you know, it doesn't matter. It's still, you know, he's running for governor and this is something that um, should be held to light because this is something that he said. And I think he was trying to backtrack. Wasn't Darren Bailey trying to backtrack from the comments that he made um, in 2017? And then he backtracked from his backtrack. That's yeah. the latest. Rich yeah. Miller broke that. He backtracked yeah. from his backtrack. Yeah. And, and, and just to say like, you know, he, he's definitely going to like, you know, I mean, I think everybody, I mean, you know, people say that he could have a chance of like, you know, beating Pritzker if there's a certain group of the, you know, the MAGA crowd kind of stands out. But, um, you know, during, we found out like after the Highland Park massacre happened, we found out that he had um, auctioned off his gun or had some, his gun at some sort of rat held a raffle for like a, one of his weapons. So I don't know. I feel like there's more hits coming from him in the next few months to a year. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about the gaffes that he's um, committed or, you know, put his foot in the, his mouth. I'm sure we're going to hear more as, as time goes on. Well, I, um, I've watched this happen now. Uh, uh, what do I want to talk about? Uh, when horrific crimes are committed uh, against black people or Jewish people, I, I watch the pivot that MAGA makes. This is not the first one. Uh, and I'll give you an example. I happen to have it right here in front of me because this one, every time it happens, Ramana, it hits hard. And uh, so we, you and I talked, I don't know if you remember this, but after in Buffalo where the, the white racists went into a uh, grocery store in a black neighborhood and shot the people, just, pe just started shooting. I think he killed 10 people that were... They just happened to be unfortunate enough to be in that store at that time. Uh, in the aftermath of that, some MAGA person down in Florida wrote, wrote well, they got a long way to go uh, before they catch up with Planned Parenthood, which uh, is is a cousin of what... Yeah. Uh, it's of, akin uh, to what Darren Bailey said. Yes, yeah. Darren Bailey said. It's like your way of diminishing the significance of the slaughter that went, you just witnessed... Uh, in that case, they want to diminish it because they don't want any kind of gun control. Uh, then there's this one story, which I has been kind of lost to history, and I hope it w won't be forever. It came out during the Senate race of 2020 when uh, Richard Durbin, Dick Durbin, was running against a Republican named Mark Curran, C-U-R-R-A-N, for folks keeping track at home. And Mark Curran is now, I'm not making this up, people. This is happening in your state of Illinois. Uh, Mark Curran is a candidate for the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court. We elect the state Supreme Court in Illinois, uh, and um, there are seven districts. He's our candidate uh, up in Lake County. All right, so if he prevails in this election, he will be a sitting Supreme Court justice. Just think about that for a moment as I read you these quotes that he made. 
uh, back in 2020. Uh, it was right after, it was a few months, I should say, after George Floyd's murder. If you recall, Ramana, uh, there was all sorts of uh, protests. There was uh, riots. Uh, there was police battling with uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. It was it was a very tumultuous time. And one of the uh, incidents that was occurring here in Chicago were protesters demanding that Christopher Columbus statue be taken down. I, don't know, I know you remember all this. We talked about all this. And so uh, Curran uh, was against taking the Columbus statue down, which is kind of weird in its own way. Um, and so right before this press conference, John Lewis, the great John Lewis, the congressman from uh, Georgia, had died, great civil rights uh, leader. And um, this is what uh, Mark Curran said about John Lewis. Quote, I am quoting this man uh, who is running for the Supreme Court. Quote, Lewis might have been instrumental in the fight for civil rights at one time, but John Lewis got in bed with Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Quote, three out of five pregnancies in the African-American community end in abortion. If you want to know why there's violence in the streets of Chicago, why it's the most violent city in America, it's because there's no respect for the sanctity of human life. So when you have a quote-unquote civil rights leader saying, Quote, it's okay to kill all these little black and Hispanic babies in the womb. No big deal. Let's make it easy as possible, making these centers in the inner city. Well, you're not much of a civil rights leader. Wow. Again, once again, <laughs> once again, trying to make a woman's decision to have an abortion the equivalent of Jim Crow atrocities, of lynchings, of our whole history. Ramana, there's a pattern to this. Do you follow what I'm saying? It's Bailey, it's Curran, it's that lady in Florida. I find it very scary, your thoughts. No, I do too, I do too. I just don't think, I just think we, like we're talking about this, it's basically comparing apples to oranges. It's and, and taking something horrific to get a headline to talk about your disdain for abortion. And and yeah, and, and these you know, talk, you know, and then, you know, of course, it's like you hear the dog whistle about Chicago and violence. It's like, God, how many times are we going to hear about how Chicago is the most violent city when there is violence in other parts of the country? It's not like Chicago is the only place that has violence. I mean, we saw when um, the shooting happened in Highland Park, you know, of course, everybody started, you know, that's not from Chicago, started, you know, knee-jerk reaction saying, oh, look what's happening in Chicago, and Highland Park isn't even in Chicago, or is it in Cook County? And so, um, you know, people always kind of are going to come up with these comparisons, but I, I just don't know how you can compare one to the other, but I think these, these individuals, they want to make something that they strongly believe in and compare it to an atrocity or something horrific, like you know, the Jim Crow laws are talking about violence in communities and they take something that, you know, people really care about and feel very strongly about and, and kind of turn it on its head by using this comparison. So I just think, I mean, it's not even apples and oranges because apples and oranges are fruits. It's like taking, it's like comparing an apple to like, I don't know, some totally different food group because they're totally completely different topics and you know, to compare abortion to something, a tragedy that happened years ago, or, you know, the killings of black and brown people is just, it's, it's insane, I think. Yeah, I, uh, 
I would hope that Maggie would look in the mirror at some point uh, and think about what it's doing, but I got a feeling they're just going to double down, Romana. Yeah, and then uh, we, we know that they all love guns, too, which doesn't make, you know, make sense. They're okay with that, and, you know, when people get shot, mowed down in a hail of bullets within, like, a few minutes, then, you know, then they talk about the rights of guns. Then they don't want to talk about life at that point. They're talking about life on and on and on, and then when they when the gun question comes out, then it's like nobody wants to talk about life anymore. They want to talk about the Second Amendment. Absolutely. No, they only care about life when it's uh, life in uh, the womb. Once it's out on the womb, as George Carlin says, it's a whole other ballgame, man. It's, uh, we see that over and over again. So uh, maybe people, the Kansas vote shows that people are on to them. All right, let's move on to uh, less upsetting topics, at least upsetting for me. Uh, and talk about something that kind of makes me smile in a weird way, even though many people are upset about that, uh, this topic. Uh, and it's kind of a favorite topic of ours. We've talked about this before. Uh, and uh, uh, your husband, my dear friend, Mick Dumkey, and I have talked about this before. Uh, Mick doesn't hide this. He has a reverence, deep and abiding, uh, for Bruce Springsteen, the great rock and roller. I don't uh, share his complete utter reverence for him. We can talk about that. But I appreciate Bruce Springsteen to a degree. The story broke about a week ago uh, that Bruce Springsteen's uh, having a tour. Maybe his last. No one knows. He won't say if it's his last. He won't call it a farewell tour. But, you know, he's like 72 years old, I want to say, Romana. So who knows, right? Uh, and they go into a ticket uh, pricing system, whereas the demand goes up, the price goes up. It's like an Uber car. You know, you're, 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 the, the determination is, <laughs> everybody, algorithms running the world. And tickets are going for like five grand. That's oh, the headline I saw. Oh, even more than that. 8,000 to 10,000. Yeah, I've seen wow. some of those too. So, uh, man, Bruce Springsteen acts like he's the man of the people. You know, I'm part of the refinery. <laughs> That's my Bruce. Huh? <laughs> I got Mary pregnant and all this stuff. And I'm like, come on, Brucey, you got to give folks a break and have $5,000. I know you got some high rollers, and you're a kind of a high roller, but I don't know, Ramona, $5,000, it kind of hurts. The, uh, I'm the, uh, by refinery. <laughs> I don't know anybody who listening to a refinery is going to be able to afford $5,000 for a Bruce Springsteen ticket. I'm being too harsh on the boss. Ramon. No, no. Well, it's really funny because um, if you go to any Springsteen concert in Chicago at the end of the night, um, he always goes, hey, there's boxes out there for the Greater Food Depository. It'd be great if you could, like, you know, donate a dollar, ten dollars, whatever you have. Um, you know, it's a, it's a charity that he really supports strongly. And my younger sister, who's a huge fan, she likes Springsteen more than I do. She's like, maybe... Maybe his fans are going to have to be, you know, members of the, you know, have, have to be um, recipients at the Greater Food Depository after going to his concert because they won't be able to afford food anymore. But um, actually, Springsteen fans are really, really angry. Um, the one funny thing about Springsteen fans, I have to tell you, I'm a, I'm a Springsteen fan, but not as big as a fan as Mick or my younger sisters. I mean, they're bigger fans than I am. I like him a lot, and I wrote a column about it because I used to be a skeptic. I didn't like him. And I remember you telling me about how you never liked him and that someone at once at a party said that you look like Springsteen. So, <laughs> I remember you saying that. So now I'm like, now that, that made me lose my train of thought. But no, I, I think um, <laughs> fans actually, um, people... 
the one interesting thing about Springsteen fans is that a lot of them are still working class. He comes from a working class background, and he obviously sings about the refinery and, you know, working, you know, working class man, working at the factory. A lot of the songs talk about working at the factory, actually. And obviously, it's been years since he wrote those songs, and he does not live, work at a factory anymore. He up. His daughter is an equestrian, Olympic equestrian. I mean, she ended up doing a hobby that's completely different. One of his sons actually is, uh, you know, quote unquote working class. I think he's a firefighter. But um, Springsteen, um, he draws a lot of fans from the working class background. And that also includes a lot of MAGA people. So, you know, he's obviously not MAGA. He's um, very much a, a liberal, although that Jeep commercial he did was kind of cheesy. I have to say, um, saying that we should all get along. I remember he did that commercial. I was like, oh, come on, Bruce. But anyway, um, he, you know, whenever he talks about like something like about, you know, refugees or something, he actually gets booed at concerts by a lot of these like MAGA types. So Springsteen's always had kind of like this following, you know, he has a lot of people who are probably MAGA and they get mad whenever he brings up politics and they're like, just stick with your songs. And and now it's like, I'm sure this group, now he has like everybody mad because, you know, it's like, this dynamic pricing um, is is just insane. And so he, I have to tell you, so he announced his 2023 tour and initially the dates went out for Europe. And um, I know you're gonna have Mark Baser on the show or do a show with Mark Baser. And so he actually got tickets for a Copenhagen. Um, and then I have to tell you, I have a friend, a former Sun-Times photographer who knows I'm a Springsteen fan and I saw Springsteen with her. She told me she accidentally got tickets um, for um, Oslo, um, which is, it's Norway, right? Yeah, so she was like, hey, I have extra tickets. So actually, I actually ended up buying tickets for um, Oslo for 2023. And then, you know, my friend's like, you just have to pay for two tickets. And they were only 90 bucks each. And then Mick is like, well, now you're going to have to like pay to go to Oslo. I'm like, well, at least that's better going somewhere than like paying $5,000 to see him and just like in Chicago. Right. So anyway, I was like, at least this way you get a trip out of it. So that is the plan. I don't know that might change, but anyway, so after he announced the European tour, he announced um, his North American tour or his America tour a few days ago <laughs> and Chicago wasn't on the list. So Milwaukee was on there. And so, you know, everybody I know is like mad. They're like, I don't want to get tickets. And, uh, and you could, um, get tickets before they went out to gen, you know, the general public by signing up. And so my younger sister did, my brother did, and my younger sister, you know, she's still mad at him, but of course she woke up early and tried to get tickets and she was able to get, and then I had a friend who was in Amsterdam at the same time and she had jet lag. So she got tickets and they were all, both my younger sister and my friend were able to get tickets for like $85 each with, with like, you know, fees and stuff. It ended up being a hundred, which is still expensive, but for Springsteen, that's fine. But, um, people are still kind of mad. And cause you know, when I jumped on to see if I could get extra tickets, they were like, the only tickets available were like $3,000 to $8,000. And the tickets we got like suck. Like we're going to be sitting where in a bad spot, but we're kind of like, well, whatever. And then I told my sister, I'm like, I thought you were mad. And she's like, yeah, you know, I'm still mad. You know, I'm probably going to go mad, but I want to see him. And so, yeah, so the plan is I, I, I think I still might see him like twice within a year. And, and you know, the thing with Springsteen is I, I'm kind of also mad because he didn't respond to anything. He had his manager, John Landau, speak in a New York Times, uh, I think it was a New York Times article or 
um, piece about why they went with dynamic pricing, and it was just such a lame excuse. He was just saying, oh, we're comparing what to what we're comparing to see what our peers are doing and it's not really that much different but i kind of felt like springsteen owed it to his fans to come out and just like you know say something you know and he didn't say anything he's been pretty mum about it and i i do think like you know yeah i know he's like a big rock star now he's not a working class man anymore even though he sings about it but he just he should look out for his fans. Like, does he want it to be like a show with people who are just a bunch of posers who aren't actual fans? I mean, I'm sure there's some rich people who are his fans too. But I just feel like eight thousand dollars for a ticket. I mean, you could do so much more with that money than to see Springsteen. I just don't know anybody who would pay that much money for a band they really like. I mean, there's some people that I like that I would probably spend more than two hundred to three hundred dollars for if they were coming and but like I, I, I can't even see myself spending a thousand dollars for someone unless I got to go backstage and take pictures of them or something like that, you know, but even then that's it's a lot of money. I mean if you're if, if two people are going, um it it just costs a lot for an evening out. It, it's a lot of money. And I think I think there's been a lot of pieces also on how concerts are getting so expensive. I kind of feel like they're airline tickets. Like they, they look cheap um on you know when you look at the you know value on the computer and then once you end up buying it and you're checking out it's like all these like fees are tacked on and then you know the the ticket that you thought you were paying like x amount of dollars is like triple the price so you know going to show is kind of sad and i think also for younger people like i mean i'm older now so i get tickets and you know it's not a big deal but i remember being young and getting concert tickets were a big deal and like a lot of younger people of course like yeah a lot of younger people aren't gonna go see boomer springsteen but what if there's a young kid who likes springsteen they can't afford like a two thousand dollar ticket like it's like you're keeping away fans from coming and i know so springsteen also he suffers from depression and i think this is his way of kind of staving off the depression is touring because he seems kind of like an awkward person when he's off stage. Like he kind of, he's kind of like night and day when he's on stage and is when he's off stage. And so I think he kind of needs to be on stage to like help him like his and go through his mental health. And so I think he uses concert and touring. That's why he's always touring. Because I think he does suffer from depression. He wrote about it in his um, autobiography. So um, I think that's the way, but I'm like, well, I was telling my sister, I'm like, just because he's depressed doesn't make he doesn't mean he has to make the rest depressed with his ticket prices. But I, I I think people will always want to see him, but I think he's definitely put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth. And I was thinking, if this is what he wants his legacy to be, it's not a good one, right? What what what? I just I forgot, I missed it. How much did the ticket in Oslo cost? Just the ticket. Uh, so my friend told me they're 90 bucks. And so she gave me four tickets. Bucks, okay. She gave me four tickets for half the price. So I only paid $180 for four tickets for the tickets in Oslo. So I don't know if they're doing dynamic pricing in Europe or if this is just an American thing, but there's, I'm sure that by the way, there's nothing great. dynamic about the pricing they got. I just, <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. that's like one of those catchphrases. There's nothing yeah. dynamic, not working for anybody. <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I confess uh, I, I, I do like Bruce Springsteen. He had three albums. I've had this conversation with Mick so many times. In my opinion, he had three albums he began his career with, and I think they're all great albums, uh, two of them in particular, one of them in particular. And then he went in a different direction that I thought, eh, not for me. And I, I've lost interest in Bruce Springsteen. Uh, 
but I appreciate the fact that he sticks his neck out for Democrats uh, and gets and, he, and as you pointed out, he gets booze from MAGA uh, as a result. I can remember him touring on behalf of John Kerry and Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton and. Uh, uh, he may have been done some uh, Joe Biden stuff, although that was in the middle of COVID. So uh, I appreciate all that, but I, I can't say I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan. Uh, since I haven't been a Bruce Springsteen fan really since the '70s. But uh, th- this is a joke. The I when you're that wealthy and fabulous, uh, fabulously wealthy, I should say, you could come up with your own pricing schemes to bypass uh, the centralized, and you could do it, and you could guarantee affordable. Uh, and there's ways of of guaranteeing that it's not a scalper. If you want to beat the scalpers, then you can do you can do anti-scalping stuff too as well. You know. Uh, so anyway, if we, what a joke though. I have to laugh sometimes. It's like my beloved liberals. You guys don't even see the contradictions. You know what I'm saying? Like, I do. I do. Got I Mary <laughs> pregnant. This guy is five thousand, eight thousand. No, uh, I, I, I know what you're saying, and there's a lot. There's a lot of artists like in the past, like Tom Petty fought against this a lot, and um, Pearl Jam was another band like early on in their career in 1994. They went before Congress to talk about Ticketmaster. So Springsteen is like powerful enough where he can just put his foot down and say, "I don't, I don't want this for my fans." He can easily do that. But so that, I think that's what's making a lot of people angry. Is like he's not this you know, green artist. He's someone that's been in the business for a long time and he knows very well that if he didn't want this, it wouldn't happen. And he's high. We'll see what if he makes a joke about it. It's interesting because, uh, for instance, totally un- unrelated, Not compa- I'm not comparing them as things, but uh, uh, Chris Rock, has, as far as I know, has never had a, a uh, sit-down interview or written an essay about... Uh, what happened with when Wolf Smith slapped him, his thoughts on that. But I, I hear that when, he, when he's giving a performance, he might make a reference to it. So maybe Bruce Springsteen will be similar and he'll try to pass it off as a joke, you know. Uh, he'll, he'll put a video out you know, on like it. The, like Will, he'll put a video out on it like Will Smith did the day Beyonce's album came out. So Bruce Springsteen will wait for Beyonce's other album to come out, and then she'll he'll like put out a statement. <laughs> oh, is it, you know, I hadn't thought of that. Wait, yeah, that was not on our cheat sheet to discuss. But let's since you mentioned it, uh, I had not thought of that. Are you telling me that Will Smith released his statement uh, at the same time Beyonce released her album in order to be lost in the shuffle? Probably. I mean, it was like a couple months too late. But you know, I saw a lot of people on Twitter chattering, saying like, "Oh, I love how." Will Smith took the time out to put out an apology the day that Beyonce's album's out, and everybody's just paying attention to Beyonce's album, not Will Smith. So, you know, it's like, oh, hey, I'm sorry. So, you know, later he can say that he did say I was sorry, but everybody was paying attention to Beyonce that day. All right, well, we will not revisit that one because, uh, you know, that's a half hour down the road of me talking Will Smith, Chris Rock. It's one of my favorite topics for reasons I'm not quite sure why. Uh, all right, uh, it's time for Romana's recommendation. And I'm very happy to say that Romana dutifully did her homework. She probably would have done the homework assignment, even if it wasn't an assignment. Uh, and uh, she went out and saw uh, Jordan Peele's latest, Nope. Uh, everybody knows I'm a big Jordan Peele fan. We'll be doing a deep dive on it. We're gonna, I'm assembling a crack crew of movie fanatics to come aboard. I have to wait for them to all watch the movie. That's kind of annoying. Uh, but what? neither here nor there. 
Uh, so I have plenty of thoughts on Nope, but I would love to hear yours. Ramana Hussein, your thoughts on Jordan Peele's Nope. Are we going to give away spoilers on, oh, on this episode? Uh, yes. Feel free. Listen, guys. Don't be like my uh, so-called movie experts who still haven't gotten around to see it. By the way, there's somebody. You know what? This is something a pet peeve of mine. Ramana, any like normal? So many reviews just give away spoilers all the time, and they don't think they're like all like whoopin. I'm not giving away the end of the movie, but there's like a lot of things that happen, twist and turn in a movie, and they give them away. You know, so. Uh, yeah, live with it, folks. Spoilers. Uh, spoilers to come. Uh, maybe. Who knows? Uh, depends where Romana goes with this. So take it away, Romana. Um, overall, okay, so if I may give away some spoilers, I may not. So if you haven't watched the movie and you want to, you might want to step away or turn off the podcast at this point. But I did, overall, I did like the movie. Um, I do think Jordan Peele's really creative. I've liked every movie since he's put out. Would I call it a four-star movie like my colleague Richard Roper did? No, I I gave it a three-star. I think it was a three-star movie. I still I had some questions at the end of the movie. I, I was still kind of like scratching my head. But I do think it, you know, touched on a lot of themes that I thought, um, you know, you even before I watched uh, the movie, you told me it kind of touched upon our treatment of animals and our relationship to animals. And I, I, I felt like, what I got out of the movie, I think it also touched upon our the society's and people's need to like document everything and capture everything and to get that shot instead of like you know paying attention to everything that's happening around them. So I think that I think it really brought upon some interesting things. I thought the acting was really good. I just had a couple questions um, at the end. I don't know. Um, okay, now I'm going to give something away. But when you know that the there were, in the movie there is this object or slash like creature in the sky. You know, it's a UFO, but it's some it's something that you know inhales um, people. And if you look at it, um, it will suck you up. And I thought the main character OJ at the end, like he looks at it, but nothing happened to him. So I was kind of confused, but my husband Mick was saying um, he, you know, he was someone that knew how to work with animals. So he was able kind of to tame the beast. And, you know, after the, this like UFO or whatever object swallows like a inflatable, he kind of dies, right? So I was kind of like, wait, what happened there? And then I was like, and then, you know, uh, Mick brought up a good point the other day and he goes, well, what happened to the, um, the guy who worked at the uh, Best Buy type of store, like, you know, they just kind of didn't really, they just kind of, he just, you know, he was saved, but nothing really was like said about him. But I think that was like, he was just kind of there and you were supposed to assume that he was fine. Um, so I just had a couple questions. Like I was like, wait, so how, what happened? Like, how was he okay? And I just, I, I, I just felt like I had all these questions after I watched it and I probably had too many questions. Um, but overall, I thought the acting was great. And I was actually listening to a podcast about this, another podcast. I just happened to uh, re I wanted to know what other people's take on it was. But so Stephen Wen, I think that's how his name is pronounced. I think I pronounced it wrong this whole time. Um, he basically, um, they a lot of people felt like they should have like expounded more on his character. And by the way, the whole situation with him and the, um, the orangutan that went, 
primate that went crazy on the, I shouldn't even say crazy, but basically was acting like a primate on the set. Um, that is actually based on a true story. It was, um, there was this uh, gorilla, or I don't think it was a gorilla, but a chimpanzee that was like used in, in shows and show business, but he ended up um, mauling a woman's face, like, you know, one day, I, you know, and, and the whole thing is like, you know, we can't tame animals. Animals are animals. You know, they have a different instinct than we are, and we do use them for our entertainment purposes, right? And I think the movie also spoke about uh, Hollywood and Hollywood's treatment of um, animals and Hollywood's treatment of um, the black community. You know, this is a, you know, movie centers on a family that has horses that are used in films, and I, I think that um, shot that they show in the beginning of the movie of the jockey, the black jockey riding a horse, like nobody knows who that person is. And that's one of the earliest, um, you know, film or like reels from Hollywood. And we, we don't know who that person is, you know. Meanwhile, we do know that, um, what's that one movie? The the racist movie is like one of the first um, long form movies. The Birth of, Birth of a Nation. Um, that, we know that that was like one of the first full length film, but we know everything about that film. So I think it had, it, it, it I do like Jordan Peele for that reason because he makes you think. So um, I just like I like his creativity, and so far I've liked all three of his films. And I do like um, horror. I, I don't think this was a scary movie, but I do um, think that it you know had some elements of horror in it, and it was funny too. Yeah, it wasn't a scary movie. I thought Get Out was scarier. I had more scenes that were scary, that maybe jump type scary. Uh, and uh, uh, Us turned into a slasher film, so that was scary. I mean, if you're worried about the characters, because bad guys are going after them with uh, knives, etc. Uh, so this wasn't scary. There were a couple moments where you might jump, uh, be startled. I'm with you about Jordan Peele. I, I feel um, every Jordan, I've seen all three of them. I actually saw his cat movie, which is absolutely awful. Uh, so <laughs> I know he's capable of putting out a really bad dumb movie uh nobody's perfect uh, and uh so don't i'm not even gonna say the name of the movie because why watch it but um the th thing about these three movies get out us and uh, uh nope is that they always leave me wondering like what is he getting at there's like a message here and i missed it and i gotta watch it again because i really want to know and now we <laughs> when they stream and i i mean i'll watch a movie uh if not from start to finish many times, Romana, I'll just like put it on and wait for my wife to come home and then I'll get a half hour in, you know what I mean? And like, oh, and then you have the closed caption so you see, you can, you don't miss any words. Oh, that's what he was getting at. Uh, so I have just a lot about Nope that I'm curious about, uh, like the, what the themes are, but those two particular uh, themes, the one of uh, the relationship between man and animals and the way man is... Um, uh, inhumane animals and such a cavalier and so cavalier about it uh, and then sh surprised when the animals respond in an aggressive way we're seeing this happening literally right now in japan i don't know if you saw this like there's monkeys that are attacking humans it's been on in the newspaper and stuff like dl Hewley's having a field day with it with his instagram post uh i'm like and it's like wow that's straight out of nope uh and then the other uh theme that's so as you already pointed out uh, in the movie is the way the movie maker exploits his subject. 
uh, and the relationship between the subject of a movie and the filmmaker and how it's usually <laughs> exploitation on the part of the filmmaker. I think that's a really prevalent uh, theme. But there was just a story I saw in the paper today, Romana, that, it's like when, that makes me think of Nope. So just follow me on this. There's a meatpacking facility in Los Angeles or outside of Los Angeles that's been around forever, uh, and it's being closed. And the parent company says it's too expensive uh, to uh, operate a meatpacking facility in California. California's just made it too expensive for us to uh, operate here, so we're going to move back to the Midwest. So some community in the Midwest will be celebrating this. This is called Economic Development in America and Capitalism. I'm reading this article, and one of the things they object to is that California has passed a referendum requiring uh, meatpacking facilities to treat their animals humanely before they kill them and slaughter them. Just Let's just pause and think about that. And so they're describing um, the techniques used in these slaughterhouses. And Ramana, they're horrible. I mean, I'm reading this like, oh, my God, they're torturing these pigs. They're freaking torturing pig. And, I'm, and people will say, Ben, what do you care about? It's a pig. It's not a human being. And I'm like, I, I know, but I don't know. It's Maybe you shouldn't think about the food that you're eating while you're eating it, or you all become a vegetarian or a vegan or whatever. But Ramana, I thought of nope, but I'm like, we just take this stuff for granted. You know what I'm saying? And one day the pigs sure. will come after us. For sure. This is why... The way my people and your people do it is better, right? No, I'm just kidding. But they say it's supposed to be more humane. That's like, you know, the way you're supposed to treat an animal, I know in like Jewish and Islamic traditions, it's supposed to be, um, you know, a little different. That's why we were encouraged. When we couldn't find halal meat, we would eat kosher because we're like, well, it's blessed by a rabbi and it's like treated more humanely. But we, I, I don't know what it feels like to get, you know, at the end of the day, um, I, I know a lot of vegetarians and vegans would beg to differ. But no, I, I think it raised good points. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, animals are going to act on their instinct. And when we think that we've tamed an animal or domesticated them, they could go, you know, they could it could turn another way very very quickly and as we saw in the in the in the in the movie this um, animal just went you know he he took a turn for like that uh, took a turn that nobody else saw coming on the show and it was supposed to be the birthday party for this chimpanzee on a um on a sitcom so it was very dark as, as to how it happened so um, no, I, I think I like I said I, I do like um, Jordan Peele for that reason. It's just because he makes you think, and they're different than a lot of movies. And sometimes you don't want to see a cookie cutter movie. I mean, I like I like a lot all types of movies, but I do like movies that make you think too. And that's what he makes you makes you do. Uh, by the way, on the subject of halal, uh, believe it or not, uh, you I know you probably know this. Uh, but there's a halal KFC. I'm not making this up. Kentucky Fried Chicken on Western Avenue. And uh, I think pound for pound, it's the best KFC in the area. I say this is a guy who has eaten a lot of them. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm telling you, like, it's so funny because if you go into a halal slash Zabiha store on Devon, not everybody buying the meat there is necessarily Muslims or Jewish for that matter. It's like there's they, they say that the meat's a lot better because you cut it. And I, and, and I don't know if you know, but um, all the best steakhouses in Chicago, they use halal meat. They're not Muslim restaurants, but they use Creekstone beef, which is uh, from a halal farm. So 
I did not know that. Wow. Yeah, so that's like that's why certain Muslims who are just very strict about the meat they eat, they'll eat at all the steakhouses because they're like, well, I know they eat Creek Stone. So yeah, that's that's something. And like I said, I grew up. Um, you know, my family wasn't that strict about it, but we kept halal at home. But my mom, if she couldn't get halal, she would always eat, we'd get kosher. We'd get kosher um, hot dogs all the time. Was raised on kosher hot dogs. Yes, as was I. I love kosher hot dogs. Uh, all right. Uh, the, so the next movie assignment, uh, which you probably won't be as uh, pleased to see, uh, Richard Roper gave uh, three and a half stars. <laughs> He's a little critical. Uh, Bullet Train, which he said has a great script and is really funny. It's I've seen the previews a million times. The the Brad Pitt movie. I'm a big fan of Brad Pitt. I, I like uh, his. So, I like Brad Pitt. I think I think he's a better actor as an ensemble actor as someone carrying the movie. I mean, I think he can surprise you. Um, no, I've always been a fan, but I feel like the latest movies that he've done have been kind of clunkers. So I don't know. I'm gonna rely on you to tell me whether or not this is good. And we will refrain from having another conversation about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> I knew you were going to bring that I up. Believe is, I was, believe is one of the greatest movies of the 21st century. And Romana just rolls her eyes and talks about Quentin Tarantino's weird obsession with women's feet. Uh, <laughs> so we will not have... <laughs> uh, but uh, that Brad Pitt was excellent. And I, th I think he won the Oscar, as I recall, for Once Upon a Time. Yes, I'm I, pretty I sure. Thought Leo, I he, thought it was Leonardo DiCaprio. But. No, Leo was nominated for best. He should have won it, in my humble opinion, but he didn't. I forget who. Don't get me started on the Oscars. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're, you are right. I remember it was the, um, wasn't it the actress from Minari who gave him his uh, Oscar? Yes. I think, yeah, uh, I think and I remember. Was it? I, 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 I don't know. I, I yeah. could be wrong, but I remember somebody, um, it was someone from a, uh, it was from it was an actress that was from, you know, overseas, and it, it was yeah. funny. Like it well, was, he definitely it was a funny wanted. Exchange. All right. So okay, so we can. Uh, before we leave, we'll do a. This is usually something that Romana does after the show, where I prove to be wrong. Uh, more often than not, the text comes in. Uh, so here we go. Uh, I'm just looking at this website. The best supporting actor. Oh my God! What a joke. Uh, I'm just upset all over again. It could have gone to Leonardo DiCaprio for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Instead, it went to uh, Joaquin Phoenix for The Joker uh, in 2020. And Best Supporting Actor went to Brad Pitt for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay, so you were right awesome. for once. Yeah. <laughs> for once is true. Because, ladies and gentlemen, nine times out of ten, Romana is the one uh, who is right. All right, Romana, thank you very much uh, for uh, taking time from your day to talk to me and uh, talk to you real soon, all right? Take care. All right, that's great. Romana Hussein, I'm Ben Drowski. Take care, everybody. Bye.